2: This is Gun Owners News Hour. Quite the uh, consequential, well, I don't know how consequential I would call it, had a few things happening this week. The U.S. Supreme Court, they convened on Wednesday for oral arguments about whether the federal government was right to ban bum stocks on claims they assist The assistive casing transforms the semi-automatic rifle into a machine gun, which is, of course, in and of itself a stupid thing to say because it's still basically a semi-automatic weapon in its function with just an enhancement that that, uh, that enhances your semi-automatic fire. Now, normally, they would use our questions... Are they're questioning time to evaluate whether the bump stock qualifies as any weapon which shoots or is designed to shoot or can be readily restored to shoot automatically more than one shot without manual reloading by a single function of the trigger, which is the definition in the 1934 National Firearms Act, Firearms Act and Gun Control Act, which prohibits any device that results in converting a weapon into a machine gun. Instead... Which it's it's um, it's not unexpected, but it's very disappointing because, you you know, sometimes you sit back and you're just expecting, well, I kind of think somebody would be uh, the adult in the room. But in, instead, this devolved into confusing hypotheticals and debates that stem from their incredibly limited understanding of how a firearm actually works. Now, automatic weapons like machine guns are prohibited under U.S. law as dangerous and unusual because with one trigger function, they can discharge however many rounds you have in the magazine without having to pull the trigger again. Bump stocks, which is a simple casing added to the stock of a gun, aids shooters merely, especially those with disabilities with trigger dexterity. The modifiers often do help you attain a faster rate of fire, but still requires multiple trigger functions to achieve multiple shots. With a bump stock, you're still with a thirty round magazine. You're still going to pull the pull the trigger thirty times, and that difference. And I mean the way I just explained it, you know, fully automatic gun, one pull the trigger, thirty rounds out. Semi automatic gun with a bump stock. Thirty-round magazine, thirty pulls of the trigger, thirty rounds out. Yeah, that, that seems pretty, pretty easy to me. That was largely lost on the justices, especially Ketanji Brown Jackson and Elena Kagan, who repeatedly insisted that bump stock-equipped guns can fire up to eight hundred rounds a second, which that would be, uh, that would be something. <laughs> um, and they, along with the government's legal team, repeated that lie that these modifiers could fire hundreds of rounds each moment. In Kagan's words, a torrent of bullets. Cargo lawyer Jonathan Mitchell corrected them multiple times. And uh, Kagan asks, Why would a per- even a person with arthritis think they needed to shoot 400 to seven or 800 rounds of ammunition? Under any circumstance, if you don't let a person without arthritis do that. And Mitchell, instead of saying what I would say, which is, you incredibly stupid person, how is it that you're sitting here? He said they don't shoot 400 to 700 rounds because the magazine only goes up to 50. And he said he noted that rapid fire is not the test under the statute. So you're still going to have to change the magazine after every go-round with this kind of thing. He also repeatedly called out Jackson's false assertion that firing a gun with a bump stock only requires one trigger movement. He said it is factually incorrect to say that a function to the trigger automatically starts some chain reaction that uh, propels multiple rounds from the gun, multiple bullets. Function of the trigger fires one shot, then the shooter must take additional manual action. So once again, it's just a semi-automatic modifier, an enhancer. So um, in his words, the bump stock is neither necessary nor sufficient for the firing of the weapon. And the federal government's attempt to outlaw bump stocks based on a provision that the single function of the trigger does not apply. And Kagan later admitted, I don't know about these things, but claimed that textualism is not consistent or is not inconsistent with common sense she said at some point you have to apply a little bit of common sense to the way you read a statute and understand that what the statute comprehends is a weapon that fires a multitude of shots with a single human action, whether it's continuous pressure on a conventional machine gun, pulling the trigger or a continuous pressure on one of these devices on the barrel, which once again, Elena, you don't know what you're talking about. Now in the beginning they, they uh, first outlawed the use of mechanical bump stocks when they first uh, introduced. Um, but Americans who own non-mechanical bump stocks could continue using them because the ATF determined those require the consistent or the constant application of forward pressure with the non-shooting hand and constant rearward pressure with the shooting hand, which is the way bump stocks work now. And then it was only after Mandalay Bay in 2017 where a bump stock equipped rifle killed 58 and injured hundreds more. And uh, it was, uh, you know, one, one thing that is never considered in this is it, most of the people he killed were in a gigantic cluster. I've seen the venue and I've seen where Mandalay Bay was in relation to the venue. And after, um, after the initial, after the initial bursts that he was sending out there, that's when most of the people were killed. And then when they dispersed and there was no big clump of humanity for him to target, uh, then more people got hurt in the stampede trying to get away. And if you've ever never been in Vegas, there's these gigantic in between these buildings are gigantic open spaces that are, they, they seem like they're acres and acres long. So when you're running And if you're running away from something in a a panic, a lot of open space to get trampled on. Now, Congress moved to legislatively ban a bump stock shortly after the shooting, but the ATF beat it to the punch. And they proposed a rule aimed at reversing previous interpretation that non-mechanical bump stocks are not machine guns. So a bump stock is essentially, uh, I think, two pieces of plastic that are held together. And um, and now that's a machine gun. So Americans like Texas gun store owner Michael Cargill were forced to destroy or surrender their lawfully acquired non-mechanical bump stocks to the government or face felony charge. And that's where the case comes from. And this divided the various circuit courts. And this led to the Supreme Court. Mitchell noted that the problem for the government is not that they're not able to change the nature of the trigger that currently exists on the semi-automatic rifle by adding a bump stock, which is nothing more than a casing that allows the rifle to slide slide back and forth. The trigger is exactly the same as what it was before, and the function of the trigger is exactly the same as what it was before. Gorsuch did not like the rush to... uh, The new rulemaking, he noted that through many administrations, the government took the position that these bump stocks are not machine guns. And then you adopted an interpretive rule, not even a legislative rule, saying otherwise it would render a quarter of a million, a half a million people, federal felons. And not even through an APA APA process they could challenge subject to 10 years in federal prison. And the only way they can challenge it is if they're prosecuted. So. He said, uh, because people will sit down and read the Federal Register, that's what they do in their evening for fun. Gun owners across the country crack it open next to the fire, (laughs) (laughs) which is pretty, 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 pretty spot on. When asked if somebody that was unaware of it, if they could be prosecuted, Kavanaugh asked this question. Uh, the attorney for the for for the feds, Fletcher, reaffirmed the government could and might prosecute them, even if they don't know about the rule. It is ongoing. We'll see where it ends up. I think we're supposed to hear about this in July. This is Gun Owners News Hour. <laughs>
1: will ship that same day. Time is short. Prepare today. Go to mypatriotsupply.com. mypatriotsupply.com.
2: This is Gun Owners News Hour. The Biden administration is driving gun dealers out of business and radically transforming the firearms industry, or trying to, at the very least. And uh, for Biden, he, this is only him getting started. He has a real thing about guns. He does, this president, or this resident, rather. And he's only getting started. And if he gets reelected, four more years of these policies would have a a truly detrimental impact on the ability of you to buy a gun for self-defense. Now, he came out with this thing called the Zero Tolerance Policy. And this was supposedly to go after the rogue gun dealers who knowingly sell guns to violent criminals. Now, nobody, especially gun shops, nobody wants to sell guns to known criminals. Nobody wants to do that. But the zero tolerance policy isn't about that. It it makes paperwork errors, which you're having. If you're a gun shop of any consequence where you're selling more than, say, three guns a day, um, you probably have a lot of forty four seventy threes being filled out on any given day. And I don't know what constitutes a lot. Some of the big box stores, it may be hundreds Some of the smaller stores, it may be, you know, the tens, the dozens, I don't know. But most of the, it's all going to be based upon how the person buying the gun fills out the 4473, and how the person reviewing the 4473, how they, uh, you know, how well they check it, because what's happening here is you have these uh, paperwork errors. Now, recently... The uh, the one gun shop that I have used since the beginning of uh, both Lock and Load, and I mean when when Lock and Load started back in 2012 under a different name, um, you know I I started getting guns coming in from various people from one gun shop Upstate Armory Group and Upstate Armory Group used paper 4473s and then one day they came in and got audited and under the zero-tolerance policy. And, well, the uh, there were some mistakes on the 4473s. They charged them $5,000 per mistake. The price for staying in business would have been, I think he told me, $650,000. Because when you've been in business as long as... Any business might be any gun business like with this one. Let's say they came into being when I started this show or lock and load, rather um, 2012. OK, let's say they came into being 12 years ago. A lot of 4473s is coming and going. You know, in 12 years, uh, you know, he was during the Obama administration when everybody was buying guns on a regular basis. Then during COVID, when everybody was buying guns on a crazed basis. Then in 2013, when everybody was panic buying, a lot of panic buying going on during that period of time. Um, A lot of 4473s coming and going. And you got to maintain those somewhere. And I can't even imagine where you would maintain those stacks of papers. So. Instead of, and this guy, the guy that owned the place, on more than one occasion, he had an instance where somebody had failed the background check. And this guy, you know, this guy had to know he was a desperado. So he would call local law enforcement and he would call ATF and he would say, I got this guy coming back who clearly cannot buy a gun. Do you guys want to come in here and have a little chat with him? And they would never show up. So even when he was trying to head something off at the pass, they weren't really interested in doing that, but entered the zero tolerance policy and now he's out of business. Tom Harris of the sporting arms company in Louisville or Louisville rather is a disabled father of five who made two small paperwork mistakes 15 and 16 years ago. And during the Obama administration, the ATF cleared him and he's made a single paperwork mistake since then. But now the Biden administration is reopening closed cases, including Harris's. So Harris had to create a crowdfunding page to cover his legal costs. The Biden administration zero tolerance policy has pulled the licenses of two thousand, nearly two thousand dealers. And that's not the only one. That's not the only policy making it difficult to, be, to exist. A gun dealer must comply with new costly reporting requirements. If he sold at least 25 guns, they were traced to crimes committed over a year. The guns traced were purchased within the past three years. And this doesn't even require the guns were used in a crime, only that the ATF traced them. How do they know that? How do they, how do they know that they, that they popped up under this, under this uh, criteria? But identifying guns based on the number of guns traced is problematic. It is one thing for a store that sold 50 guns to have 25 guns traced. It's entirely different for a store that sold 10,000 guns to have 25 tracked. So identifying stores based on the percentage of crime guns, not the total number of trace guns, makes much more sense. But... That's not what the resident wants to do. He's looking to pull the licenses, pull the plug on these guys on their businesses any way he can. And uh, he's publicly, they've publicly released a list of these stores, presumably to give negative publicity. Um, And, you know, we're talking Bass Pro Shops, Cabela's Shields, Rural King, Sportsman's Warehouse. <laughs> and wherever these guys set up, and they're going to go where the big population centers are. Uh, that they're in higher crime areas, and that's where more they're more prone to fall victim to the new policy through no fault of their own. So the new detailed reporting requirements might create costs that cause some stores to stop selling guns. And if that isn't enough, you may hope that publicly demonizing stores will cause them to stop selling guns. And while he's doing all of this, of course, he's also proposing other regulations that would force everyone who transfers or sells guns to be a licensed firearm dealer. They released a 150 page proposal last year that would require you to have a licensed dealer if you sell a friend a gun once and then even discuss the sale of a second gun. Or if you sell one gun and keep any record of what was bought and sold for. Or if you rent a space at a gun shop without, at a gun show without selling any firearms because most tables aren't selling guns. And uh, now it's ballooned to 1,300 pages and effectively bans private gun sales, which is you know the whole thing about universal background checks. So this is how they would get to universal background checks without having anything legislative in their way, which is the same thing as what they did with the bump stock ban. Of course, they also are trying to reinstate operation choke point. So they're working hard to stop you from buying a gun and they're destroying a lot of gun, gun businesses that are all very law abiding, even if they make pen and ink, you know, pen and ink uh, mistakes on the 4473. Although some are moving to the automated or the electronic 4473, which won't let you go forward unless you've got everything correct, which I guess maybe that's the way to go. But we'll see, we'll see. You know, a lot of reasons for the Biden administration to go away. This is absolutely one of them. Absolutely one of them. We'll be right back. This is God Owners News Hour.
3: USA News Update: The two leading pharmacy chains in the U.S. are set to start sales of abortion pills, possibly this month. Walgreens and CVS will offer Mifepristone at select pharmacies in states where it's legally permissible. Both chains have received FDA certification to dispense the pill, according to separate statements. Wildfires and blizzard warnings are causing anxiety for thousands of Americans. Over half a million people in California and Nevada face the threat of a blizzard with up to 10 feet of snow predicted in higher elevations. Simultaneously, major wildfires in the Texas Panhandle and parts of Oklahoma have claimed at least two lives. Alabama Senator Katie Britt will deliver the Republican response to President Biden's State of the Union address. House Speaker Mike Johnson noted that the American people will be attentive as the youngest Republican woman ever elected to the Senate turns the page on the oldest president in history. John Schaefer, USA News. Hi,
5: I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, Again, that's toll-free, young one 855 young
6: I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call.
2: Welcome back. This is Gun Owners News Hour. When is something a lie? And when is it wrong? Now, for me, a lie is intention to deceive. It is knowing the proper answer, the correct answer, and telling me something else altogether different. The intent to mislead people is a key. If someone says that people need something for a given purpose and you disagree, are they lying? And are they intentionally misleading people or are they just wrong? And are you the one who's wrong? Recently, a uh, a Yahoo wrote a op-ed in Hawaii, which is uh, the most insurrection state, or the biggest insurrection state in the union right now. <laughs> and uh, they were lying to Hawaiian lawmakers about, uh, or supposedly NRA is lying to Hawaiian lawmakers about AR-15s. And we get this. Prepare yourself. Because this will shock almost no one. The gun lobby is blatantly lying to Hawaii legislators. People who make money off the sales of firearms are trying to sell our elected leaders on the idea that hunters in the state need military-style assault weapons to hunt and control the feral pig population. They might be selling, but as a combat veteran, I am not buying, and neither should our lawmakers. The debate is over Senate Bill thirty one ninety six, which would close the the assault rifle loophole in the state. In Hawaii, we have a ban we have banned assault pistols, whatever that is, for decades, a law predating the nineteen ninety four federal ban on assault weapons. However, our law stopped short of banning assault rifles. Perhaps that's because when the law was made, mass shootings were rare. This is before the shooting at Columbine, which was the first to garner national headlines, which by the way they used no No long guns in that one. Perhaps this has remained on the books in this way because the last major shooting in Hawaii was the infamous Xerox shooting in 1999. But things are changing. The author, a self-described combat veteran who said he was wounded in action, goes on to talk about how bad the AR and similar rifles are. But he he doesn't mention a few things. He calls the NRA liars, yet he never says how they're lying. Now let's 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 take a few things in under consideration. Okay, feral hogs, wild boars, whatever you want to call them are a uh, scourge wherever they are they they tear everything up i mean they literally tear everything up they are a invasive predatory species and so in in a lot of places they don't even have a hunting season you can just shoot them down if you see them no and there's no uh, it's not like you can't take young ones or females or males you can shoot them all kill them all It has gotten to the point now to where they they catch them in enclosures and then just shoot them in the enclosure. They try to kill as many as they can at one time. But they're feral for a reason. They are dangerous. If you wound one, even though they are, you know, if if they can see you, they don't have the best eyesight. But if they see you, they, they may turn and come after you. And if you sit around and listen to the hog hunters, and more than a few will have some hair-raising stories about that sort of thing happening. So, semi-automatic weapons, whether it's a handgun or a long gun, these come in handy because of round capacity and speed of firing. And speed of reloading. so if the you know if the feral porky the pig decides that meat's back on the menu today and you the hunter are part of the uh, you know you're the special it's really nice to be able to have that kind of thing on tap to 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 throw into the mix now it's fair to disagree with what lobbyists are supposedly telling lawmakers but um There's no link that leads to any actual direct quotes as to what's been said in hearings or in meetings or anything else. But it's quite another to claim that they're lying. See, which brings us to the next part. Even if it is a lie, it shouldn't matter at all. Because, despite the Hawaii State Supreme Court's opinion, the Bruin decision has laid down what it that it takes more than just what we really want it to justify these kind of restrictions. So, the Bill of Rights has never been about the Bill of Needs. And uh, one thing about these, uh, these these fun these fun things they keep coming up with. Uh, that always leads me to questioning certain things is that they never get out there and explain to you exactly why they're the ones that get to determine what it is that you need. (laughs) That's, that's one thing that they never, ever put together for you. That, that, that never happens. So demonstrating a need for a category of weapon is not required and not for the individual and not for the society as a whole. The second amendment is very basic when it comes to this. It is simply the right to keep and bear arms, not hunting rifles, not target guns, but arms as an entire category. And of course, that never gets touched by the uh, by the author of that particular little article because Probably if I had to guess why he doesn't want to touch that is because they're trying to do this uh, spirit of aloha nonsense, you know, by invoking a a, uh, invoking a time and a constitution that was in place before they joined the Fed, you know, the Federal Republic. And that's problematic. But it's always been problematic. So they never touch on that. And it makes me wonder whether he understands that sometimes omitting certain things that's a lie too. That's a lie as well. So I mean, what it and, and one thing that I don't understand about some of these guys that get in here and argue these cases and they obviously don't know finding a true second amendment attorney is a rare that's a rare beast. One that understands all the details and all the ins and outs of what this is. The Second Amendment is not about hunting feral pigs, and it's not about hunting uh, ducks. It's not about going and competing a three gun three gun competition. It's not about collecting. It's not about appreciating it for the design. The Second Amendment is about killing tyrants. Anywhere where you see the means for regular people. oppose their government you probably have a very free place there so the second amendment is about freedom it is the it is the ugly end of things when all else fails there's the second amendment so, while they get out there and they try to put these things and pigeonhole them into these various little categories here and there, it's it's always, uh, I think it's always instructive to sit back a minute, listen to them, listen to their detailed. this point. This is not for this, it's not for that. Well, it, you're right, it's not for any of those. It never has been for any of those. Right? The reason we have a right to keep and bear arms is because the founders knew that we might have to fight the government one day. So, they made provisions. We'll be right back. This is Gun Owners News Hour. More time, shall we? One more time. Actually, going up to uh, I'm going to be addressing uh, two GOP conventions in North Carolina today later on. So I got to hit the road right now. So let's 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 uh, let's throw this out there just for your own consideration. The uh, New York trial of the NRA has uh, parts of it have ended now. And the NRA is claiming a, uh, a victory. <laughs> They've spun it that way. And um, the NRA has contended all along that they were victimized by certain former vendors and insiders who abused the trust placed in them by the association. Now, of course, this was all brought about by the people who actually they determined were the ones that were the insiders. They found no cause to remove NRA general counsel and Secretary John Fraser. The remaining NRA employee who is an individual and defendant in the action. So they, uh, they're feeling pretty good right now. Uh, the original lawsuit was against, uh, Wayne LaPierre, Fraser, former CFO Wilson Phillips and former chief of staff Joshua Powell. Josh Powell was talking. Now many people told me when they hired him, that he would be the downfall of them because he was doing a lot of things unabashedly. Now, leadership knew what he was doing, and I'll, I'll give you a, an example of one thing he was doing. When they were going to introduce carry guard, uh NRA was trying to figure, and carry Guard was a legal services sort of insurance policy for concealed carriers. When they were going to do that, uh, Josh Powell went to USCCA, and he had a little spy camera with him. And somehow or other, he got the ideas and he, he figured out the template and he saw the way the thing, everything was set up. So, okay, we've now stolen intellectually the way one business runs. The former, uh, this used to be, uh, you know, uh, Second Call Defense used to be the biggest sponsor I had. And that was run by Sean Maloney. Still is run by Sean Maloney to this day. And Second Call Defense had a... Uh, had a fairly decent sized membership and they had the underwriters and everything. And Sean was actually trying to sell that to the NRA to give them something to begin with. Now the problem came here when a bunch of NRA members looked at Sean, who was also NRA board members, rather Sean Maloney was an NRA board member and a lot of NRA board members decided at that point, why should we pay him for this? We'll just take away his underwriter which they did which i believe they were called lockton affinity and they did they took them away so all of a sudden uh the the people with second call defense they wake up one morning and their 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 membership is no longer worth anything so nra then moves they they, they uh <laughs> at the at, what year was this was this 20 was it 2018, 2019? I can't remember what it was. It was. It must have been 2018. So at the NRA annual meeting, wherever it was, because I can't remember where it was, everywhere you go, you're being assailed by visions of Dana Lash in a leather skirt, you know, browbeating you to, you know, join carry guard. And... Uh, up to this point, lots of businesses like this existed, except none of them were the NRA. And then when NRA started offering it in places like in New York and everything, they started calling it murder insurance. But, you know, they, uh, they uninvited USCCA to that year's annual meeting as far as having a booth. And of course, Sean's trying to, you know, Sean's trying to scramble around to find out what he's got to do. Cause now he's got to find somebody to underwrite it, which they eventually did. Right, they eventually did that. And they still persist to this day, but that's one thing that Josh Powell did. That's the kind of thing that's the kind of operator he was. He was a he he, he was he was a thief intellectually. Then there was Ackerman McQueen. Ackerman McQueen uh, I, I when I interviewed uh Ted Nugent in twenty sixteen, I think it was, in Louisville. I got to go backstage at the Ackerman McQueen event where he was going to be playing his concert for the NRA membership. And it was astounding what they had. I mean, it was like, it was like being, it was like Fox News, CNN, and uh, NASA got together and made this backstage setup for this. They had projectors projecting onto the curtains from behind all this. It was, it was something to see. It was something to see. And I, I sat back and I was like, how come, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in this and I do this on a daily basis. How come I never see these things? Cause this is outrageously good. And they had something called NRA TV and they had various, uh, various personalities like the Noir. He had his own show there and they charged. NRA to the tune of about $42 million. And I don't know if that was annually, if that was over the course of time, whatever it was. That was the number that popped up. They never explained to my satisfaction what that was for. And that was the thing that nobody because nobody was watching NRA TV. And when I say nobody, probably there were some people that were watching NRA TV, but not enough to justify the expenditure. Most of what NRA TV was getting was in clips on YouTube. Nobody was actually watching it on NRA TV. The other part of this is that Ackerman McQueen had headquarters adjacent to NRA and they would employees would filter back and forth. When Dana Lash was the spokesperson for NRA, she was an Ackerman McQueen employee. When Oliver North was the president of the NRA, he was an Ackerman McQueen employee. So they, they, they were, they were in each other's pockets deeply and a lot of people have made the allegations, or maybe they've proved it by now. I don't know, because I'm not a lawyer, and I don't uh, I don't know how to read some of these documents I throw out there. But there was a lot of accusations that some of this money was being sent to them to filter back to Wayne LaPierre. They were not the only vendor, uh, Associated Television, International, Under Wild Skies, and some travel consultancy. They were all... Uh, They were all named as uh, vendors who ripped them off. They canceled consulting arrangements with certain NRA board members adopting a new whistleblower policy in 2020. And they hired a new compliance manager. But the biggest problem here, the biggest problem here is that they have this 76-person board. And the 76-person board, it became well-known that... The board was not allowed to exercise oversight over the leadership of the NRA. And why would you have a board? If you're going to have a board of directors, why would you have a board? Now, they're a corporation, right? They're not a 501C. Um, Why would you have a board if they're not going to get to run Oversight over you guys, over the leadership and everything, and uh, the NRA largely just became Wayne Lapierre's thing. Every, I mean, it 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 was all based on the personality of Wayne Lapierre. Uh, a lot of people on the inside and in the higher echelons of NRA leadership, abs- absolutely loyal to him, for you know. And and that's okay, but I mean, that's not what the organization was set up to be. It was never meant to be a person. It was meant to be, a you know, an organization. The actual identity of the NRA was in the membership. It was not, you know, <laughs> it was never meant to be just one guy. Since all of this started, uh, 190 individuals and organizations have filed 22 amicus briefs in support of the NRA's legal position. Now, Letitia James is well known for campaigning on on being a gotcha prosecutor as an attorney general in the state. And the the, the thing is that they, 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 they want to prove that Vulo and Cuomo and the others conspired with James to penalize the NRA for its protected speech. And this could help them resurrect First Amendment claims against James, as well as unseal materials from an earlier discovery phase of the case. But all of that remains to be seen at this particular point. The one thing that I still, and I what makes me think that things haven't changed as yet is because they've spun this as a victory, and it is not a victory. It was never a victory. They should never have been in this position in the first place. They should not have been incorporated in New York, I mistake number one. Uh, they should have had absolute oversight by the board, mistake number two. And Wayne LaPierre is not the NRA, mistake number three. So... I'll be back with you next weekend. Carry your concealed weapon everywhere you can. Stay awake. Stay aware. This has been Gun Owners News Hour.